Good evening, everybody. It's Tracy here with the Everybody Counts podcast. And I have my pal Mike with me. What's up, Bosch Trivia Guy? Oh, everything's going swell today. I can't wait to discuss this episode. Yeah, there's some good so stuff that- here. <laughs> and I can't wait to hear the interview with uh, the showrunner Tom Bernardo at the end of the uh, at the end of this podcast, too. Yes, yes. Some good good scoop from Tom Bernardo. So definitely stay tuned at the end for that. This episode is number five of season two, and it's titled Hollywood Forever in reference to the cemetery and written by Chris Wu and directed by Leslie Libman. So we start off on Maddie's first day of crew, but it's really, really, really early. It's yeah. not time. It's not time to get started. I think it's about 4.03 a.m. or something. And she gets up and goes for a run and accidentally wakes up Rico and says she she tells him that she can't sleep. And so she she heads out for a run. She ends up getting to work early still um, beyond that and and tells Vasquez that she's you know nervous. I think she describes it as butterflies, but she's checking out the, the Hollywood map and um, seems like she's itching to go. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah she can't wait to get it going. Uh, what, what what was the term she, she used when she was looking at the map, looking at the... Oh, yeah. What did she say? Oh, I forgot. I thought she said like looking at her battleground or something like that. I can't remember, but... Yeah, I don't remember. I remember her saying something, but I don't remember exactly what it was. Yeah. So you want to just go on and talk about that first day on Hollywood Boulevard? Sure. Uh, before we get to before I get to that, I just want yeah. to mention that Vasquez kind of pushes Maddie a little bit with the whole conversation with between about her and Rico, possibly. That's true. They uh, decide to get coffee before they kick yes. the day off. Yeah. And well, the one funny line was that uh, Vas- Vasquez was saying that she's blush- blushing. And even her freckles were blushing. Yeah, that was funny. And, that, you know, and then she took it one step further and a little too far that her boyfriend must be treating her right. And Maddie's like, you know, stop it. You know, type of thing. That reaction so, was uh, funny from Maddie or yeah, funny to me, amusing, because it was just like she was like, it was totally different from usual. She wasn't like yes. cool about it or anything. She was just like yes. really like almost like a little sister or brother, like shut up. <laughs> you know, yeah. a little hissy, a little yeah. hissy. Stop yeah. it. Yeah. It wasn't a oh stop, you know. <laughs> right, right. It was like seriously, cut that out. <laughs> yeah. So getting to the assignment, Vasquez leads the meeting. I was kind of curious about that. We didn't see um we didn't see Edgewood. Didn't see Edgewood leading yeah. the meeting. You thought the sergeant would lead the meeting, tell everybody what their assignments were, but hey, maybe it's just Reno's that far up the chain, yeah. something yeah. like that. Perhaps. I trusted number two so she's handing out the assignments and Bosch and Vasquez would be on foot during the operation be in the eyes on the ground so to speak and mm-hmm. they have somebody let's see they have what three teams one guy is on the roof and that's Kai Morgan uh they had a team that was like a block and a half way to the north and a block and a half way to the, down to the south from from Hollywood Boulevard mm-hmm. uh, so during that first day Maddie Spats spots a guy in a hooded black hooded shirt you know they're just about to cross the street to go find out or get a closer look at the guy see if what they can find out with a closer look but they uh a fight broke out on hollywood boulevard <laughs> yeah and what is it what is the phrase they use holly weird you know this is 
This is Holly Weird at its <laughs> finest. We have a guy in a white rabbit rabbit suit and a woman dressed up like the Queen of Hearts mm -hmm. having a fight on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. So obviously it draws the attention of Maddie and Vasquez. Maddie starts to charge over and Vasquez is like, no, slow your roll, you know, type of thing. And yeah. you know, we can't give away our... Don't blow our cover. Don't blow our cover. Thank you. Um, by the time they look back across the street, the black hooded guy was no longer to be seen. They yeah. called up to up top to see if they had any, uh, if Kai Morgan had any eyes on the target or potential target. And mm -hmm. he said, oh, I'll clear up here. So, but Vasquez says, Hey, the guy will be back tonight or they'll be back the next day and they'll keep an eye open. Yeah. Yep. So, yep. They'll, they'll try again the next day. So it seems like they're focusing in on like, tourists and and crimes that could be committed against tourists which oh, of course that's yeah, a very <laughs> no 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 i mean i'm just adding on that it is a very yes. touristy area for sure you know it's probably one of the most popular places that people visit because there's yes. so many things on hollywood boulevard that usually are on people's uh to-do list so and it was uh, it's a pretty crowded street too yes, I mean, I've, I've been on that so. street but looking down from above it was like wow that's just a lot of traffic a lot of foot traffic going on there yep so well, that's what i like about the camera camera angles i mean mm -hmm. i think they use a drone shot in this and i know we talked to dom Tom Bernardo about it. So mm -hmm. stay tuned. I, I'm going to hammer that because it was so fun hearing the the behind the scenes tidbits yeah. about the surveillance. And but yeah, just the camera work and alone, you know, you had drone shots over Hollywood Boulevard. You had hand shot. I mean, it was just beautiful camera work all around. I think sure. for the CRU's CRU's operation. So yeah, yeah. Indeed. All right. Well, we're going to back up a little bit and look at some other folks morning. So also very early in the morning, the, the dirty cop who we come to know as long, yep. last name long gets a call from the other cop named Ellis and uh, gets him out of bed. He's insults the girl that's with him who happens to be the sex worker that was part of the extortion scheme. So it's all a little, incestuous there yes <laughs> but anyways he i think he calls ashley a skank which is uh, not very kind no and that's not nice it's not kind at all and 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 ellis suggests says that she needs to go home and that they have work to do long needs to come to him that they have work to do their work is driving out to bosch's house and putting a tracker underneath his car mm -hmm. and i had to wonder i was like you know if i think i i mentioned this in my in my recap i was like oh i wish coltrane would have heard him but you know but the, the, they have all those stairs you know so the car yeah. is parked way down but i was like man if that car were parked closer to the house coltrane would have you know been on them mm -hmm. you know because he would have heard something but hey maybe harry too but yeah there's so much distance i think between where you can park a car by yeah. like his mailbox and then up to the house yeah because um, we see the steps quite frequently when yeah Maddie or Bosch or even during that shootout scene in season five you know yep. at the mm -hmm. house, it's what like almost two flights of stairs up so it's like maybe what, yeah like 15 20 feet above yeah. the house yeah there's room. trees and stuff so yeah. yeah so they managed to get it on there and, and they head out. So that's what they were doing early in the morning. We see Harry at Moe's apartment and they're talking that same morning and they're talking about the watch that's uh, missing from mm -hmm. Lexi Parks's wrist. And you know, they, Harry points out the tan line. You can see that there was a watch there, but the watch case in the crime scene photos um, is empty. So where is the watch? If it's not on her and it's not in the case, you know, they don't see it anywhere in the room. 
And mm-hmm. uh, Mo's pretty impressed with his Sherlock Holmes skills there. Yes, exactly. And which is kind of cracks me up because it is it is smart. Like their skills of observation is is really impressive. But I'm probably more observant or definitely more observant than I am having this skill set of Mo. <laughs> like I think what yeah. he does is really impressive. You know, so everyone has their their talents. But they're yeah, talking about the, that. I was just about to say that everybody's got their their talents their and their weaknesses type of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everyone con- contributes differently. So so yeah, he's he they talk about that and and Bosch wants to kind of pursue this. It's um sort of bugging him and he thinks he needs to, you know, to check it out. Uh, we also get a peek of what's going on with Honey's morning over yep. at the law firm and Matthew arrives to her office saying he has all the files from the Carl Rogers case, all the hard copies. He brings in some boxes, got all the digital files, like emails, recordings. And she's asked about everything being removed. And he's like, yeah, every removed from all the computers, removed from the cloud, everything. So that is interesting because, you know, we have heard the FBI saying, do not do anything with any of the files, you know. Mm-hmm. So they're they're pulling all those together. And we'll we'll talk about potentially that a little more later in the episode too. Uh, also in the episode, then we see we switch back over to Harry, and it's a busy morning. There's a lot going on. Do you want to no, talk about good. Harry being at at the house, the the Parks house? Yes, because uh, let's see here. So Bosch poses as a buyer for the house Lexi Park was Parks was murdered in. So he's walking walking through with the realtor, asking questions. He shows the guest bedroom, second bathroom, and he's kind. I mean, because he, so he asks where, where the master bedroom is. It's kind of like it was almost kind of rushed. So yeah. kind of surprised the realtor is like, "Oh, he's just here to see the murder house type." Of right, thing. right. You know, even if she doesn't think he's a cop or a private eye, you know, it, it's just uh, somebody just trying to get their haunt on or something like that. You right. Know? So he gets a few moments to himself. Uh, he asks if she has a tape measure so he can grab a second look at that second bedroom. He goes to the closet area where he finds the watch box empty, but there's a receipt in it, grabs a quick pick, and then kind of wraps up, puts the box back on the shelf, closes the door, and then the realtor kind of comes by the doorway as he's grabbing his pamphlet back up off of a bookshelf. So yeah, apparently she... she uh, forgot to bring her tape measure, but he's like, ah, oh, that's all right. I'll just put the baby grand in the living room anyways. <laughs> well, and he posed as a um, a very wealthy person because he even, she talks about saying most any reasonable offer will is probably one oh, that, that Herrick will take. But he, she thinks he's just very motivated to, to get rid of this home. I mean, what a, what a mm-hmm. horrible memory. And when he asks if a cash offer, you know, would, would help. And, and of course she says, yes. And I'm like, Oh, yeah. Bosch is laying <laughs> on the, you know, the, the money routine but here. If you think about it, he is sitting on a good amount of money from that property. He already has his house. Yeah. Yeah. I kind mean, mm-hmm. of, I kind of remember the uh, realtor talking to yeah. him about the house yeah. from season one. And if it was fixed up, it would be worth like maybe 2.2, 2.3, somewhere in that ballpark. Million I, d- I don't remember, but it was, yeah, in the millions. So, but he's, and, but it's I mean, not in much, cash. It's not in cash, though. That's that's the it's thing. It's not in cash, but I mean, if you clear that much, I mean, I don't know how much is owed left on the property. You know, if you were to sell, and I'm not suggesting they sell the Bosch house. 
So yeah, don't get excited, writers, people. <laughs> writers, producers, do not take this to heart for season three. I love that view from the Bosch house. So, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. But yeah, so theoretically, you're sitting on money. And how much seriously could a house be worth when somebody's been killed inside? I'm just kind of curious about that. I do wonder it's, how that affects the property values. And like you yeah. said, some people are a little twisted. And could it possibly increase? the the value what people are willing to pay you know i mean yeah i don't know i don't know i just wonder it's kind of scary to 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 think that but you know we've we've heard strange stories oh absolutely so as bosch is leaving the house he sees vince herrick outside and apologizes for taking so much time herrick already knows who he is ask him what he's doing there bosch you know, gets out front right away that somebody was at, somebody had asked him to investigate certain aspects of the case. Herrick takes that to heart and basically says, you mean the murder of my wife, you know, type of thing. So there's a few tense moments there where Herrick wants Bosch to put his hands on the hood of his car, mm-hmm. hood of Herrick's car, uh, just for a pat down. And Bosch, you know, tells him flat out that's not happening, you know. Mm-hmm. So there's a few minutes of a tense stare down and then uh, Bosch kind of switched gears a little bit asks him about the watch and or where's the watch and when he asks how he knew about it bosch is like i saw it in discovery that there's no watch anywhere herrick says it's out being repaired and then tells bosch to leave and lucky he's not being arrested for trespassing yeah so and then as uh herrick is walking up the house bosch just kind of you know says to himself oh that went well it's like yeah (laughs) i know at one point bosch did uh, uh say he was sorry for herrick's loss too yeah. And, and coming from Bosch, we know that's heartfelt. Sure. But it for, is genuine. For Herrick, oh, that's the other thing I forgot to mention. Herrick, when he finds out who Bosch is looking into the case for, when mm-hmm. he can or the defense, uh, Herrick says, you're a disgrace to the badge you used to wear. And that, <laughs> that's got to hit uh, a little close to home for Bosch to hear yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, not surprised. Some someone else from law enforcement having that feeling yep. about him. And I did I did think about when Harry referred, I guess, to the case, you know, and he says, You mean the murder of my wife? It is very easy to use language in situations like that that's not personal, that doesn't touch on how personal this is to the other person you know it's so yes. easy for us to think of it as you know a case you know i'm sure when we go through our analysis and stuff we usually say the case you know but sometimes we say the murder of you know lexi mm-hmm. parks but i just thought that was interesting how he he called him out on that because it, for a person in that situation it it, it must be really hurtful to just yes. hear that called as a case you know so yeah. it was interesting well, then Harry meets up with Funny and they go on a, a bit of some errands a day. You want to just, we can just walk through kind of the work that they did that day. Yes. Um, before um, getting into another story, maybe. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Uh, yeah, so they meet up at the hotel, motel where uh, James Allen had a room. Um, well, first, first off, Bosch is up front with Honey that he mu- he must he may have screwed up when looking yeah. around the house and he got spotted by Herrick. Mm-hmm. And Honey says that well if if he files a complaint you know the judge will take it up with me, and Bosch is like yeah sorry about that and you can actually <laughs> tell he's really yeah he, he's sorry he kind of stepped on himself at that point but they uh, talk to the front uh, front desk person at the motel he's kind of hemming and hawing that he, they can't see the room because it's still under investigation if you had a badge uh, right if you had a badge and then <laughs> just kind of smiling at him and <laughs> and that's so obviously it costs money to just get an hour in the room 
Yep. But they but they paid the money to see the room. Well, honey hands over everything. Sorry, hmm? you know, honey hands over some no cash, and he just kind of pauses. And but he says it's two hundred to get an hour yes, in the room. Yeah, he doesn't right. even accept the first. Like this guy's really kind of bold, you know. Yeah. First he just pauses, like, well, if you had a badge, and then just waits to see how they yep. respond. You know, well, how much? And then then she, honey, and she goes into her purse. She pulls out yep. some cash, but then it's like, well, that's not even enough. Yeah, so, yeah. This this guy was uh was, was pretty bold. But yeah, like two hundred dollars exactly. for an hour in the room, which and they only know, needed like what might maybe five ten minutes tops. You know, get some pictures. Yeah, it was, uh, the room was cleared out of all the possessions. That's it true. Because like, I mean, we saw we saw the pan camera motion when they were when they were showing when James Allen came home with his came back to the place with his date. You know, so there yeah, was a, it's definitely you know, it definitely different. Yeah, yeah, definitely different. And there was something missing off the wall as well. I uh, said so it was either, probably either like a picture frame or a poster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then Honey mentions, well, uh, the wire, strangulation by a wire. So Bosch is like, yeah, possible murder weapons. So good man. Yeah. So at least I think it was worth the 200 bucks they spent to look at the room. But at the same time, mm-hmm. it's not like any of his possessions were there anyway. But also what they con- conclude is, yeah, okay, now we know that. David was in a relationship with James Allen. This is where he was on that night, but they have no yeah. proof of it. So yes. now they have to pursue that angle. And then Honey asks, what's next? So, and then you see him driving over to the cemetery together. Mm-hmm. Uh, they go to the office where Bosch recognizes the guy running the security. I think his name was Oscar, right? I think, he's, I think yes. Bosch mm-hmm. is Oscar. Mm-hmm. I forgot to write in my notes, but I'm like, I, I kind of went Oscar the Grouch. I said Oscar <laughs> Meyer. I'm like, so Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> this guy wasn't a grouch and he wasn't a not that I know of a Meyer, but uh, <laughs> but they uh but they ask if they could see the video feeds from the camera on the top of the Paramount water tower. I mean it kind of led up to that point. Right, right. Bosch was asking if there was any camera angles that would spot like the motel entrance across mm-hmm. the way. Mm-hmm. And the guy, Oscar, says, Well, there's Paramount has us put a put a or have has a camera up there for you know checking out or having one on their property type of thing, but it also catches the front of the motel across the street from Hollywood mm-hmm. Cemetery or Hollywood Forever. Sorry, Hollywood Forever. Of course, Bosch doesn't have a badge anymore again. So Dang, the that second badge. time, yeah, that badge, man. Well, he's got a badge. It says retired on it. Yeah, but he's got yeah. a badge. Yeah, <laughs> so. technically. Technically, technically, he's used it in the season one to get some information. Right. And then so Bosch kind of sees the the brochures for headstones, you know, so it's like a side gig for this person or whatever, I believe, okay. I think so. That's interesting that, that you say that because I, I had put a question in my notes. Why would security care about sales? But that yeah. that would make sense if he in his little office had a little, like you said, side gig. Yes. of He would kind of promote the headstones. Maybe he gets a you know a commission or something. So. Yeah. Thank you. I was trying to figure out why he would be pushing sales. So that, that well, makes I remember, sense. I remember that from the book. I know. Oh, okay. We try, we try not to get into the books very often because obviously yeah. there's certain things that are different or if people want to. Yeah. But it's not really a pivotal point in the Right. Book. And if it matches up, it explains it. Yeah. 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 So, so okay. before Bosch can you know, go further with the pamphlet, Honey asks him for a sidebar, which is really funny. Yeah. Asking for a sidebar, sidebar. in an office. I know yeah. we're, we 
we bring up Lincoln Lawyer every now and then, like we bring up Bosch on, on the Lincoln Lawyer pods, but it kind of reminded me of that sidebar in the in the juvenile court of uh, the Lincoln Lawyer season two, where it's like, oh yeah, the size of this courtroom. Yeah, it's such a you know, we're in a small room. Yeah. Where are we gonna go? <laughs> small space, but uh, the guy was on a phone call, so I don't think he really heard. Okay, any yeah, the conversation. But Honey tells him that we can't buy the information from a potential witness, and Bosch just flat out tells her, "Well, do you want the video or not?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. You so know. She goes to her purse again to pull out some more cash. Yeah. Anything else you want to talk about with that scene? I don't. I think I, just when they leave the stuff. When That's they leave. Was, yeah. Yeah. That's I don't what think I was going to go to. Yeah. No, I think they they accomplish what they what they needed in there with you know after doling out some more money. Yep. So I'm I'm curious. Did they say a price? I forgot. I don't know if they said a price for the headstones, but. I don't remember one, but that, that doesn't necessarily mean it, it's not there. Yeah. But they, I know they can it. be pricey. Yeah. And the guy says, guaranteed, you know, no misspellings. No typos. But so they're on the way out of the building. Honey's telling Bosch that she's been thinking about the two officers that pulled her over the night she was arrested. And she thinks they were actually in Musso and Frank's keeping an eye on her. Yeah. Bosch tells her to trust her gut. Of course, across the parking lot, we see Ellison Long in the car, in a car mm-hmm. this time. They ditched the minivan, but they're keeping an eye on Honey and Bosch as they're leaving the Hollywood Forever Cemetery office. Long's Long looks disgusted that Bosch is a lapdog to a lady lawyer, in his words. Mm-hmm. And Ella says that he's a dinosaur for the dark side. Dinosaur for the dark side. <laughs> now, and I, honey, oh, go ahead. I would say Honey also mentioned to, to Bosch, I mean, it came up at the tow place when she picked up her car, but again, she mentions that she thinks they messed with her files. That's right. Yeah, she yeah. thinks she they, they're starting. She's starting to have a recollection of them in the restaurant, and then and also just reiterates that yeah, she thinks they messed with the files, specifically mm-hmm. the Foster one. Yeah. Now for this conversation that Long and Ellis have in their car, I wrote down kind of irony or ironic. I don't know if that's the word that best describes this conversation between the two of them because I see Long as being like a lap dog for Ellis. Oh, I, that's I, I very see... insightful. Yeah. Well, because it's like the early morning wake up call. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. he sends. He's on a leash. Bosch. He, yeah. So it's like I, I just see Ellis as the alpha of the uh-huh. two of them. You know, so like I said, it's like all I just, it's just in this ah, in just these few episodes we've seen them. I mean, you kind of kind of see that Ellis is kind of like the head dog between the two. Right. Of them. And he's Alpha definitely man. older. We can tell he's older. Yep. So and he's definitely on the dark side. So he's the dinosaur on the dark side. Yes. More exactly. so than Bosch, I would say. So that's very, very insightful. I, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, that. it kind of came to me today when I was doing a rewatch. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. I'm thinking about it. I was thinking about it more. I wanted to throw something out there because that, like I said, it was just how disgusted Long looks when he says that line. And I'm like, Dude, you're a lapdog to Ellis. What yeah. are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I'm disgusted by you. <laughs> yeah, even when he woke him up, I think, didn't he say something to Ashley like, well, he needs me or something like that? I can't remember the line. I think it was like, well, I got to go. Yeah, it's like, just goes, got to go. Okay. Type of thing, so. Okay. Yeah. So there was no, there was no, damn it, I hate this guy calling me weak. Nope, got to go. So, yeah. Yep. Well, no, okay. It was no question about it. Right. Exactly. 
And plus, I think Ellis hangs up on him too before Long even says okay or anything. It was like, we got work to do, click. Yes. Yeah. There's no, yeah, you're, you're coming with me. All right. Well, maybe we can, um, this is a good time to shift gears over to what Mo has been up to. Yes. He's at the SciSec Risk Management Summit 2022. So all the computer stuff and he runs into a friend who tells him that um, there's going to, he's going to have kind of like a gathering or basically it sounds like a party upstairs mm-hmm. after the conference is over that day. And Bosch is, uh, Bosch, <laughs> mows <laughs> down with that. <laughs> and and then while he's talking to him, he sees a girl, lady, woman um, mm-hmm. across the way. And uh, Mo seems to be taking a little bit of an interest. And he asks, you know, if this if his friend knows who she is. And he's like, no, but um, she has a podcast. And, and and then Mo says, "Who doesn't?" And I thought that yeah. was kind of funny. You know, I thought that was hilarious <laughs> because of the fact it's like we have a podcast, right? I mean, yeah, you, you guys started it. I'm now a part of it, which I'm very right. thankful for. It's like, but Mo, it's like, are you ragging on podcasts? <laughs> yes, or or whoever wrote this episode, who is it? Chris, uh, Wu? Chris Wu. Mm-hmm. Chris Wu. Do you do you have an issue with so many yeah. shows podcasts? <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> So yeah, Mo has his his eye on her, and there's a little bit of mystery there. But he does encounter her later at the like the party or the yeah. the the after event, and they're on the balcony together because um, well they've been playing poker. Yeah, they were playing and, poker at a table first, and then yeah, kind of what is it? The uh, she she notices a few of his quirks. I don't know if they're really annoying to her at, at some points, but uh, okay. she says at one point, like, do you know that you always have a, oh, what is it, a smirk whenever you win? Oh, yeah, she mentions a smirk, yeah. Thing. But then she also calls him slow-mo. I know. Yeah. I was like, come on. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> don't mess but with my mo. <laughs> it could be taken a few different ways where he's slow at gambling or just, I I, I mean, he's, we know he's quick-witted. but I mean, Right, right. So, I don't know where the slow mo kind of came up over maybe yeah, just a, I couldn't like quite figure that out either. System maybe so, but she, he, I forget, I forget all the poker terms, but you know, he, he stays in the game and, but she yep. doesn't pay up to stay in the round eventually. I don't even know if we see yes. that part, but he doesn't have to show his cards, you know, yes. if, if you don't, you know, buy yeah, in or that, whatever. I was thinking it was only that one hand we get to see. So yeah, because I think a few people dropped out and then, did she raise? I can't remember. And he called or somebody had raised and something. But yeah, I think it was he raised. A... He raised. She put in. But then I guess ultimately he must have raised again and she stopped. Yeah. So it, he was the last one. So he he didn't have to show his cards. So she was just kind of yeah. wondering what those cards were. But yeah, he, I'm um... curious because I'm not a poker player. I don't I'm pretty sure that was uh, what is the big one? Texas Hold'em or something like that. Or is there another one, new one? Nowadays? I mean, it could have been five card draw. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm i sure some poker experts would would recognize. I I, I yeah. didn't know for sure. Then all, at one point you said, well, I don't think you have the boat. So I don't okay. know what that is. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, he wasn't he wasn't going to tell her. But then she starts wondering you know, why are you, you know, have kind of this notoriety here at this mm-hmm. conference? I sense that people know you and stuff. And he's like, well, I don't usually share my handle, but mm-hmm. he tells her and it's Rico Spider, you know, and he's, you know, he's like, I don't usually share this. You can tell he's kind of proud of it, but she's never heard of Rico Spider. Nope. So, well, she 
claims she's never. He claims she hasn't. Yeah, she just yanking his chain. I don't know. Yeah, um, no, I was kind of curious about that. Is she really yanking his chain because I mean, at first he's like, oh, and it's like I have no idea what that is. So it could be taken either. That's one a good point. Ways. Like she's just messing with him, or she actually doesn't know. Yeah, oh, that's a good point. Yeah, we don't know how he played it there. But then he 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 takes a a, a bit of a risk. He reaches out and asks if she's involved with anyone. Mm-hmm. And just the fact that she pauses, you know, it's going to be complicated. You know, I think the yep. first thing she says is a long story. And then she does mention that it's complicated. And, you know, but he's not in a hurry, you know, and he's a quick study, he says. Yeah. But she says maybe another time. So there's a lot of banter going back and forth. Yeah. And and he asks for her number. And I, I, I saw this coming that she's like, well, you're yep. such a great hacker or whatever you you can figure it out so that that's kind of where they end their exchange but i don't know about you but it was it was fun seeing a different side of mo you know outside of his investigative hacking yes computer duties and stuff you know outside of work basically and yeah i enjoyed that so yeah i did too it was kind of fun seeing the the smooth side of them you know like you said like you said the retort very smooth yeah yeah you know i'm a quick study i got all the time in the world so it's like it's kind of cool to see the smoother we've seen it in the first season too you know where he's like paying a valet to try to to put the gps tracker surveillance in carl rogers car paying the mechanic to find a good magnetic spot to put said tracker so we've seen that kind of thing before but not with a woman before so yeah yeah we've seen that 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 charm and that charisma but exactly we Mm -hmm. haven't seen it though you know romantic interest in mind so yeah that that was fun so we had a couple other things that were going on i guess probably it's probably later that day ellis and long arrived to the apartment where ashley and i forget the other person's name i have it written down somewhere but they're just you know looking on their phones and i guess this is kind of their headquarters or whatever for where they i I don't know if that's where they have the clients over i guess it is because they looked at the video feed there yes so yeah so this is where they're running their their scheme and ellis gives them new phones uh he says time to change out the work phones Mm -hmm. and then long checks out the video feed to see if they have you know some good incriminating footage that they can extort someone with and and ellis also asks about like any loot that they've recovered in these operations like jewelry Mm -hmm. or stuff that they can sell and there is a bracelet that he has found and do we want to go ahead and talk about him taking that to the store yeah might as well okay why don't you hit up that part yeah so later on we see it was just Ellis going into a, a jewelry store. We see two brothers kind of arguing before I think they came in even. Yeah. Before. Yeah. And before Ellis arrives, we see a, a jewelry store and it's the, you can see the title out front. You want to buy a watch, want to buy a watch, which, yeah. which matches the receipt that Harry took. So things yes. are starting to come together. So he, or he took a picture of the receipt from the, from the Lexi Parks watch box. Yep. So, okay. Harry's interested. want to buy a watch. And now Ellis is going to sell a bracelet to yep. buy a watch. Um, so we're, we're getting a little inside picture of it. And yeah, the one, the, the one brother is closing the safe. He throws in some cash. Yep. There's, there's a safe yeah. in, in the floor. And yeah, the other guy's like saying, you look tense. And I didn't, I only wrote down like one thing where it's like one of the owners said they should never have gotten involved with these motherless Fs. Right. Yeah. Um, 
And right at that moment, it's like, it must have heard the ringing in their ears. Yeah, yeah. Trying to pawn off a few pieces of jewelry, but he uh, turns Ellis away because the safe is locked and on a timer. Mm-hmm. Ellis says, or leaves, saying he'll be back in the morning. But yep. you can kind of see the tension between the two brothers. And then, I don't know, I mean, it's like almost they're trying to figure out their, try to figure out an exit strategy with not trying to be involved with these guys anymore. Right. Well, they do mention a vacation. He's like, maybe yes, we should go ahead yeah. and take our vacation. And that's right. um, the, the other brother, who's who is very tense, says, "You you take a vacation, and I'll see it on Instagram, you know, or something yeah, like that." The, right. the, the the one that's so tense seems to be the older brother, from what I can gather, and he does yep. seem very stressed. So yeah, we put two and two together, and it, it sounds like these uh, two gentlemen that own the watch store are caught up in the extortion scheme or whatever ongoings of of operations of Ellison Long and they're uncomfortable about it which I would be uncomfortable about anything around those two so can't blame them there let's see we also like probably that same evening sometimes it's hard to tell which day and night but I I think it was maybe that same evening Maddie does have drinks with Harry and she finally tells him about crew they're just sharing a drink and I think she senses that Harry is hurt that she didn't tell him before. And he's like, well, I didn't really, it wasn't fun, you know, learning it from Mank, you know, yeah. I'd rather have heard it from you. And she's like, would you have had a problem with it? And he's like, I think he's like, well, is it a done deal? And he congratulates her, but he just wants to make sure she's ready. Mm-hmm. He's just concerned Absolutely. about everything she's she's been through. And it is a pretty big change, it's, it seems, from what I can tell, from, you know, being a patrol cop to, to going into this, doing the whole undercover thing. Mm-hmm. So, so it's nice that they kind of clear the air about it. And Maddie kind of stands up for herself too a little bit in this. Yeah, scene. Mm-hmm. she kind of brings up like like Bosch said. Well, it would have been nice to have been asked, not asked, but like you mm-hmm. said right before, she accepted the exi- assignment. And Maddie brings up some truth to him, saying that his whole career was act first and apologize later. Yeah. So, so yeah. <laughs> so she kind of calls him on that, and then. That is true. Yeah. yeah. What she's learned so from kinda, him. I'm kind of happy she brought that up because we, we, yeah. we've seen that in the first, you know, seven seasons. Of oh, yeah. And even yes, even last have. year, too, in uh, season one of Legacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that, that's it. I am glad she brought that up. Sort of putting the mirror to his face, <laughs> you know. Yes. So I, I think this scene was probably earlier in the day, but the detectives that are investigating Lexi Park's murder show up at Harry's uh, PI office outside yep. the office and they fuss at him, you know, for they say he showed used tried to present himself in false light to access the scene but you know he explains he's working for the defense and which sure they're not happy with either Mm -hmm. but they basically warn him about crossing a line and he's like well he tells him that foster is innocent so again it's another person or persons you know trying to reprimand bosh and he's just not going to take it (laughs) you know he's like yeah whatever say what you want to say but i didn't you know do anything wrong and 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 by the way, you know, our client is innocent. So you you basically saying they have more work to do. Yes. Know. Yeah. I think the we... note I wrote down, it seems like Bosch has to clean up the messes of other active detectives. You know, we saw season one with Gus. Yeah. Yeah. Seeing it this year with these two. And, and he even says he even complimented them saying he's oh, gone yeah, over you, the you've done a good board. job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You've done a good job. Exactly. Oh, did you catch their names, by the way? The two detectives. Oh, oh Duran and Santana. 
I was curious if that was like a music, yeah, you know, music like Grand Duran and the yeah musical references. Because yeah. last year we had Musso and we had Franks, and they were both partnered up with. Oh, I forgot the detective's name. The one that because they at first there was Frank, and then he apparently had an aneurysm or something. Right, and right. And then Musso came around. Something yeah, like that. yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of like the little little twists on the names. Yeah, there's little the Easter series. eggs in the names. I bet. Yeah, probably. Somebody's a music musician or music fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, must be. Should we before we get back into Maddie's second day mm-hmm. um, on the job? Should we talk about the footage that Mo reviewed? Yes, obviously. Okay. okay. Yeah. Well, oh, that's how I actually that? start that up. <laughs> that's how. I, that's a course. Of course, that's how. I, I'm going to start. Of course, Mo is the one that's going to look over the video recording from the Paramount Water Tower. Uh, So when they're going through, they uh, they spot what they uh, believe to be as David Foster's van because it's uh, Ford Econoline Mm -hmm. square square lights, I think is what Bosch said. You know, so they find see it entering the parking lot motel at 947 that evening and leaving just under two hours later at 1139. You know, so now Bosch is convinced that David is innocent, but Honey is pot shooting the information. And I love the line that Mo says here. It's like, leave it to a lawyer to poke holes in a life raft. (laughs) Yeah. I know she's just being devil's advocate, you know, trying to figure out one step or two steps ahead for what the prosecution's going to do. Yeah, she knows the process. She's thorough, you know, so I'm not I'm not surprised that that she brought it up. But But I love that that was kind of funny. Yeah, but then, uh, but then she goes, "This is good, but we they, we we need better," you know. Type right, of thing. <laughs> right. So yeah, so, so, that, the, that, so now they have to go and f- go out and try to find better. Apparently, <laughs> yeah. So the times match up with the time of the murder, and he he comes in from the opposite, comes in from the opposite direction of Lexi Park's home, and then returns back to the opposite direction from her home. That's so just... what that was for. That's what that... Because I remember there's Bosch was saying the direction the van was coming from and going back yeah. toward, like, yeah. east or something like that. Yeah, like, so she's in so West Hollywood, opposite. and okay. he came from the east and pulled into the motel, but then, and then when the, the, he left, he went back east, so he never went, That's you right. know, west any further past okay. the hotel, and, 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 like, the times matched up. It was, like, 947 to 1139 and so he couldn't there's no way he would have been able to get you know further out west there oh i was gonna maybe we jump uh before maybe we close it out on maddie's second day or sure close to it sure but uh before that we should probably talk about the uh, bosch and chandler outside the u.s courtroom or oh yeah 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 you want to cover that first uh sure they're wearing their their fancy clothes. Well, Honey's usually pretty fancy, but Bosch has his suit on and he's outside. She walks out from the U.S. courthouse, passes him, kind of gives him a little look, and then he heads in. Mm. Uh, and then later, I guess after Bosch has been in there, after he's come out, Scott Anderson approaches him and asks him, you know, if he was called to the to the grand jury. And yep. Uh, Bosch uses Barrel's line, you know, in a pickle, take the nickel, which I I was trying to kind of interpret this. I don't think he was necessarily saying that's what he did. Mm -hmm. I think he was, do you, I think he was just kind of throwing it out there just to kind of throw him off. It's Scott Anderson. He's always, he's like the, uh, he's fishing. Well, I I was going to use the line like in Bosch. He's like a dog with a bone, Scott Anderson. True. For stories Mm -hmm. like Bosch is for uh, murder, uh, solving murder cases. Yeah. So, but so, yeah. Bosch, I think, gets a little bit more information from Scott Anderson. He does. He does. From him. 
Yeah, so he uses that funny phrase, and then Scott's like, can I quote you on that? You know, it's on the record, and he's like, no, not on, you know, or off the record. Yeah. You know, he's kind of just messing with him, I guess, you know, just trying yeah. to brush him off. And, and he says, you know, what do you think And about, about the quoting? But Anderson brings up that he's learned his source from RHD has told him that the feds have taken over one of their big cases, and it's the Simon Wakefield murder. So, and of course, just to, you know, if anyone is trying to remember who that was, that was Carl Rogers' financial person. And he ends up face down in a pool, his pool at his home. And that's where Honey arrived and fished out Simon Wakefield's phone, but never reported it or anything. And we saw that footage at the end of the last episode, right? Yep. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's, that ties together that, that was, you know, Simon Wakefield's house. So, so yeah, they're zoning in from that angle and which naturally makes Bosch a little nervous because, you know, they're trying to cover all their bases and avoid exposure. And now there's another sort of outlet, you know, another avenue that, that they're taking. So of course he has to tell Honey about that later that night at their garage rooftop talking yep. spot. And, you know, he tells her, I need to know everything about what you did, you know, that day, all the details so that, you know, neither one of us is exposed mm-hmm. in regard to this. So yeah, they just keep coming after them from different ways. And and also in regard to the Carl Rogers case, we have another scene with Matthew at Honey's office and um, he walks in and she's asking him to deliver a motion, but then, Oh, there's one more thing I need from you. Mm-hmm. And he asks, she asks if he'll take care of the shredding in the corner of the office, which is where the boxes were with the Carl Rogers files before. So, I mean, I guess, you know, it's, we're assuming it's those files and we later see him taking them out back and he gets in a car and agents uh, James and Jones, Lucas Jones, is that right? Sylvia James and Lucas Jones, I think. Okay. <laughs> and the two FBI agents, he gets in the car with them and he just looks so demoralized. You know, He just wants this mm-hmm. to be over and he gives them the shreds and he gives them a thumb, thumb drive, which he had told honey when he gave her a thumb drive that that was the only one you know so okay matthew here's another copy so he gives them digital files and the shreds and and he just almost like a little kid he wants to know if he's done you know if he's it's if it's over and they're like nope and you're you should be lucky you're not in prison well let's motor on through i'm gonna wrap up the feds case first and then end with the maddie Sure. Yep. Maddie Chase and then the aftermath with the uh, at uh, Vasquez's house. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Okay. All right. So the feds meeting with Matthew, we also see him meet at the end of the episode with Aslan and his lawyer and have him pick out from a bunch of six packs anyone he recognizes from from that night or even probably beforehand. You know, just anybody that, you know, Aslan could remember. So they show him a bunch of six packs. There's one with Mo, Crate, Barrel. Didn't even get a second glance from Aslan, but then when Harry Bosch is, or the six-pack of Harry Bosch is sit down, he goes, yes, that's him. He says, he said, uh, boom, and then... He said, boom, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So Aslan yeah. now puts Bosch at the scene of the explosion right? the oil pipe. So, yeah. And they tell sure. him that no charges have been filed yet, but they threaten him with a RICO conviction. So. Yes. And his lawyer says, well, it couldn't hurt to look at him. So, yeah, they're definitely trying to twist his arm. But And he does end up identifying Bosch. So, woo. Yep. All righty. So very, very, uh, what is it, uh, tense or kind of 
like I said, the, even after the first two episodes, you think that you'd be out, done with the, you know, being on the edge of your seat. But every mm-hmm. time they throw in an end of the episode where it's like, oh, great. Now they got to overcome this and they got to overcome right. that. <laughs> right. Yeah. It just never ends. Okay. Well, I think uh, we can move on to Maddie's second day on crew because they're going back to try to find that suspicious looking guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they're back on Hollywood Boulevard. They do spy the same man in, in the black hoodie, and they're they're watching him. Um, they see a tour bus unloading, and I guess is it maybe Morgan or someone from above is kind of alerting them that a that a bus is about to unload. Yep. There's a family of four crossing Orange to get to an ATM, and then uh, as Maddie spies the guy who's been handing out flyers. It looks like he's given a signal. Yep. to the guy in the black hoodie and everything happens really fast so and and you see like oh he's the you know he's the layoff he's the one giving the signal to the other guy they see a gun on the guy with the black hoodie and you know everything starts in motion and there's a chase so i i guess the the gig or whatever that these two guys have going is probably if they see a family or see someone approaching an atm you know they're mm. gonna sneak up on them you know or whatever they're looking for folks that are going to the atm i guess so maddie runs after that suspect it's a big a big chase running fast he they're going through a parking garage the guy tosses his gun under a car and he gets out of the garage he's climbing uh he goes into an alley and is trying to climb up a fence and maddie pulls him down kicks him cuffs him and ear slaps him and vasquez sees she comes up just in time to see what's going on um, what happened with the first guy? Do you remember? Did he just get away or no? He, he, uh, he the, the other the, one of the crew uh, uh, people that were in a unit kind of uh, pinned them by by a wall. With a vehicle. So, oh, okay. With a vehicle, yes. Yeah. So okay. Vasquez okay. knew that that guy was going to be caught by two other crew members. So then she chases after Maddie to to help assist with yeah. the uh, with the chase of the guy with the hoodie. So yeah, Vasquez is 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 watching, and it's it's. I don't know it definitely made me uncomfortable seeing mm-hmm. Maddie do that, and I'm like, really? Did she did she need to do that? You know, it made me question. And Vasquez is you know clearly questioning her behavior, um, but doesn't say anything at that point. But back at the station, they talk about celebrating that you know they they arrested a suspect and they're going to be celebrating at a restaurant or something. But Vasquez can't do that because she's committed to go to her family dinner. I guess they have these regular dinners. And she invites Maddie to join her, which she decides to go. And they're having a good time. It's She's enjoying hearing stories about Vasquez growing up uh, as one of five siblings. And yep. we learn she's the youngest. <laughs> I mean, Maddie gets to meet Raina's mom. You know, it's just, just a good time. But then they settle in for a little bit more of a serious conversation. Why don't you talk about that? Well, Vasquez has to confront Maddie about the ear slap she gave the black hoodie guy. Mm-hmm. Maddie tried to defend her actions, saying that she was that he was resisting, and Vasquez calls her out on that right away, saying that you know he had him he had him down, he was cuffed, and Maddie she tried to defend her actions at first, but then admits that she had a fit of rage and she didn't know where it came from. Vasquez kind of warns her, says that she can't get so jacked up on adrenaline that she loses control. Mm-hmm. So we we see a side of Maddie we didn't think we'd see a little bit there. So yeah, 
Well, it reminds me, we also saw her earlier in the episode um, still trying to work on her victim impact statement. So all of this trauma that she's experienced is still very present Mm -hmm. in her head on, on multiple levels. She's trying to write about it. She's still feeling it. She's still dealing with it. And yeah, so it's clearly still having a huge impact, which of course, of course it would. So I get, I think she's lucky to have Raina to call her out and, and a good friend that can just be so open about it. Had someone else said something, I wonder if this, it would have gone the same way conversation, but. Um, That's a good point. If it came from somebody else, maybe other than Harry, she probably, I don't know. She probably just kind of blow him off. Maybe. It's hard to say. Yeah. I just wonder. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah. Okay. Plus um, it was kind of like the, the setting. I mean, Vasquez is the first time I think we've seen other than Maddie having like a couple beers the like the night or two before when they were celebrating her being a part of crew or being uh-huh. put on crew. We don't see Maddie and Vasquez really hanging out outside of work. So yeah. she's kind of I think it was kind of also that how it was toned down. You know, it's like they weren't surrounded by people. They weren't surrounded by other cops. So true. Different setting. Yeah. Different setting. Kind of. That's why I think that Maddie kind of just stopped trying to defend herself and then just kind of admits that she had that fit yeah. of rage. So. Yeah. Yep. A lot going on, but that's that's pretty much what we have for that episode. We we talked about a few questions with each other, but did you have any others for our interrogation segment that we didn't cover? Yeah, I, I wanted to ask this. I kind of thought about this this afternoon when I was rewatching the episode. When Maddie go, wakes up super early, we know it's because she hasn't been sleeping well. But I was kind of figuring, trying to figure out. I know she probably says that it's affiliated with the first day of crude jitters. Right. Yeah. But what do you th- what do you think it's percentage of the jitters or percentage of that she's just having difficulty sleeping? Yeah. Well, we didn't know that it was her first day until she mentioned that. So my first thought was totally she just still can't sleep. I thought it was from the the PTSD and everything from the abduction. So and so I and as far as percentages, I would say at least. 50 50 I, I don't think she's mm. i still don't think she's sleeping well but having the the first day on crew it's probably exciting for her too she had some anxiety but it's probably exciting too i know when mm. i'm excited about something i can't sometimes can't sleep so hopefully that maybe distracted her some from the usual sleeping issues related to the abduction but yeah i still think that's very present what did you think yeah. i thought it was probably like 25 percent first day crew 75 percent that because mm-hmm. she's been having difficulty sleeping because mm-hmm. she's still trying to get past the abduction stage. The yeah. second question I had was uh, when Jade calls Mo slow mo, you think it was flirtatious <laughs> or degrading <laughs> or a combination? Uh, maybe. I think it was ultimately flirtation, flirtation, and that's just how girls and guys flirt sometimes it is a tease they're teasing they're poking Mm -hmm. fun but it's meant it comes from a place of flirtation i think she was just kind of testing him too like what's this guy made of you know if i kind of mess with him you know poke fun of him how's he going to respond is he you know is he going to be a baby about it (laughs) or you know does he take it so yeah what do you think? Probably the same. It was probably a little bit more flirtatious because I can't remember if I see, see her, if you see her kind of slightly grin when she says, you know, the slow-mo for the first time. Uh-huh. I think there was a slight grin to it. But I was just curious what other people might have thought, too. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. For sure. That's all I had for, for the interrogation. So. Okay. All right. So we have our person of interest, which, again, as we always point out, doesn't have to be necessarily a hero, a good person. It's not necessarily a suspect or a bad person. It's just any person we want to highlight from 
the episode for their sort of their contributions, good or bad mm-hmm. episode. It's a tough one. Everybody is so busy in this episode. Oh, absolutely. Did you, are you, do you want to go first or you want me to go first? Any answer is fine. I want you to go first just because I'm curious. I have three different options because I, I don't know how many co-hosts we're going to have. So I just throw out yeah. multiples and give them reasonings. So I don't want to take any of one of yours. But I'm just curious if you might have had one of mine, though, too. So, Do you have them in a certain order? Do you prioritize them? Like, this is my first choice unless someone takes it. This is my second choice. No? Okay. Not really. I don't have them prioritized. I just kind of have the name and then just a reason why they kind of stuck out a little bit. So Okay. You know, we kind of ended on this, so I, I think it's in my brain, and but I think it's a good one. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with it. I'm gonna go with Vasquez just because it really is important that she's holding Maddie accountable. Because even yes. though you're, she's struggling and you empathize with that and you care about that, you can't let it mess up another part of her life. You know, mm. you don't want it to affect her career negatively. So she's ultimately trying to, you know, to do the right thing. But ultimately, she's trying to help Maddie and be in her corner. But that's not an easy thing to do, even as her, you know, kind of her supervisor. It's it's I don't know for me anyway, it's hard to call people to the carpet and yep. point out flaws, you know, but I think she is being a good supervisor and a good friend by doing that. And it's just it was just fun seeing them work together in that setting, you know, posing as tourists and taking mm-hmm. selfies and just having some sort of fun casual talk too and 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 getting to know more about Vasquez at her by being at her parents' house was kind of fun, you know, because it's just just like we like seeing another side of Mo. It's fun to see that other side of of Vasquez as well. Yes. So yeah, I even put down. I'm, I'm hoping we see more of Vasquez's family because you know it's kind yeah. of fun to, you know, the mom came out asked him if they want a dessert. I think Maddie says, "Oh, I couldn't. I'm so full." But then, you know, Vasquez's mom says, "Well, he's already, you know." <laughs> The father's already dishing up ice cream. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's, they both end up taking dessert, even though they're not hungry exactly. anymore. It's kind of funny, yeah. So, yeah, I'd like to see that too. All right, was that and one that, of your choices? No, that was a great. That was a great choice. I have to give you kudos for that. I, that one went right over my head. I, I should have thought about that because you know I had like Chandler and Maddie for different reasonings, but the one I really was hoping to get in was uh scott anderson you know even though he only pops in the scene for 30 seconds he drops the news about rhd losing the wakefield case of the feds Mm -hmm. so it gives bosh and money kind of a or honey a leg up on what the feds are up to yeah oh that's a good one another thing i kind of like to talk about sometimes which is sort of in this case did overlap with sort of person of interest is sometimes it's fun to look at the biggest reveal for the episode you know the, the biggest most interesting or you know pivotal piece of information that we discovered and that while we knew that the feds were looking into the simon wakefield murder um seeing it revealed to to bosch was pretty important you know yep exactly so do you have any game for us tonight or do you want to just try to take a shot at three trivia questions again i I don't have a game, but you know what? Let us know if you want games. If you've listened to Lincoln Lawyer, we typically do a game on that one. So drop a note in the messages on Bosch Pit or email us Bosch at so many shows.com or send us a DM at Bosch Everybody. Let us know if that's something you would like um, in addition to our trivia sometimes. 
But no, I do not have one for tonight. I do have one trivia question to join yours. But yeah, hit me up. What do you have? All right. I'm just saying, this is our off-duty segment. This is our fun time. So Exactly. Let's go. So the first question I had written down was, where is Vasquez's mom from? <laughs> uh, she oh, tells San Maddie, Diego. San Diego. Very good. Yes. Whew, it finally came to me. Thought I could sneak that one in, but <laughs> no. And then just because this was a pivotal point in the whole episode, what number was Crate on his six-pack? Dude, that was one of my questions. So. Oh, darn. Sorry. Crate was number three. Sorry. That's okay. It's all good. <laughs> See, next time you got to do this questions or start uh, your, with your question first, start even there. though I had the answer written down. Uh, at least you got it right. That's right. So that, yeah. There you go. I'll take uh, it. Well, while I while I tell you this last question, now this is going to be testing your uh, eyesight. If you, I know oh, Pete likes to pause stuff. This is more. This is going to be more of a Pete question. Okay. Since he's okay. not with us tonight, I figured I'd throw it out because it's one of my favorite questions. But I'll give you options. It's going to be multiple choice. So when Maddie is snapping off picks with between her and Vasquez on the sidewalk, there's a billboard on the top of the building in the background. For one of the Star Wars shows on Disney Plus, I have which Star Wars show, and if you want multiple choice, I can give you the multiple choice. You ready? Yeah, I'll take the multiple choice. Sure. Okay. So, is it either, or sorry, was it the Mandalorian? Was mm -hmm. it Obi Wan? Was it Andor, or was it for Ahsoka? I think I think it was Obi Wan or Andor. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> Obi-Wan. Oh, are you judging me in the head? I, 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 Obi-Wan, but it wasn't. It was Andor. It was Andor. And the reason why I wrote this down is because I remember Titus saying that Andor was one of his favorite Star Wars shows because it's more oh. of a grown up Star Wars uh, yeah. show. Okay. So that, that's the only reason why I wrote this down is just kind of get pay homage to, to Titus. Well, that's for a good one. That's a good, that's a good, good trivia. I love the billboards in Hollywood. So that that's a good one. And I was just trying to think of the timing. I was like, okay, it was 2022. It was probably, you know, in the late summer. What was out then or coming out then? So yep, exactly. I was close. And the Mandalorian well, my... spanned what three seasons. So it could have been that one, you know, advertising that like the third season of the Mandalorian. Yeah. Um, Obi-Wan was out at that point so was andor or was it andor and then obi-wan or obi-wan then andor and then ahsoka was the newest one so i had to right. throw that one out <laughs> yeah yeah okay my question was i had for each person which it really wasn't a question i just happened to write it down but i thought i'd throw it at you what number crate was what barrel was mo and bosh but i figured you have all those written down since you asked yeah, me sorry that. yeah <laughs> so got my question but hey great minds think alike right well, we try to try. We any other try. one you, any other one you just want to throw at me, just as an in case. Um, I don't think I. Okay, just for fun, how many girls and how many boys are in Raina's How growing up, how many were girls? How many boys? So it's five total siblings. I believe it was four girls, one boy. Yeah, correct. You got All it. All right. Nice. You got it. Nice. 
All right. Well, yeah, I think that's it for us, for our discussion and our segment. And we have our final segment coming up, discussion with Tom Bernardo about episode five and some great behind the scenes details. I know Mike and I both really enjoyed talking about this episode with him. So I hope you enjoy all the scoop that you're about to hear. So definitely stay tuned for that. And we'll be back soon for episode six. Can't wait. Good night, everybody. Night, everybody. All right, well, let's uh, talk about episode five, Hollywood Forever. Is there any story behind the Rico Spider handle? Or is that just up to the writer of the episode to choose? (laughs) Um, Rico Spider uh, (laughs) is the name of uh, like a two-bit boxer in the movie Rocky. Oh, okay. I remember that. In the movie Rocky, the first fighter he's he's fighting. Okay. Like dirty, dingy joint. Yeah. uh, Enrico Spider. So I think that's where it came from. That's awesome. We talk about stuff like that all the time and do deep dives. And sometimes people catch it, sometimes they don't. I've buried all kinds of Easter eggs. We love it. So thank you for that's why we that's why we ask because we know there's always some kind of meaning or at least a reference or something it, it's like it's got to come from somewhere so all right this one has kind of been on my mind recently uh did you guys have to shut down hollywood boulevard for the crew undercover work or were there any parts that were that uh, actual crowd was actual tourists or not or were they all extras so it was a blend of both yes we had to get control of that area which i couldn't believe it when we got it like we oh, talked okay. about this in the room. We came up with the idea and then we thought, you know, wouldn't it be great if we did it up on Hollywood Boulevard? I mean, we we first, we you know, once she got onto crew, we wanted to say, show the audience, okay, this is a, a, a certain kind of unit that is in plain clothes and out there fighting crime and, and doing it in real time, not just reacting to it in terms of uh, an investigation after the fact. And one of the early instances that, you know, we, we were attracted to was these these people targeting tourists mm-hmm. up on Hollywood Boulevard near the Wax Museum, you know, near some of those uh, the Walk of Fame, like all these different spots that people like to go to. So what if we put Maddie in there like on her first day? And um, so we love that idea. I have to be honest with you. I never thought our team was going to be able to secure that area. That's a, a heavily populated area. So to get control of that street, to get control of that sidewalk, to be able to film there, I think we it was over the course of two days because it oh, wasn't wow. only setting that up. It was the the chase sequence through that garage, through that's all up there, uh, up on Hollywood Boulevard. So okay. um, that took some scouting and you know tip of the cap to our team. You know Peter Yan Bruga went out with our our people in locations. Paul Schreiber. These are the MVPs of the show. <laughs> These are people who make this, like when we, we talk about LA being a character, someone mm-hmm. like Paul Schreiber and his team going out and finding these locations and, and giving us something visually different all the time, places we haven't gone. And we're effectively in our ninth season working on season two of, of legacy. I, I, when, when I got news that we could do it, I was like, I can't believe this. We're going to go up there. So I went out on some of the scout with, with Peter Jan and we worked through the sequence in terms of the, the chase and what it was going to look like. And, and when we had Chris Wu who wrote the episode right to that 
and yeah, obviously there was a lot of choreography with Madison and and the the stunt person she was chasing down and 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 what we wanted that moment to mean, which again was another way of dramatizing that something is not quite right with with her right now. She's carrying mm-hmm. around something that's uh, that just flared. <laughs> it reared its ugly head or yeah. reared its head, and, and it's about things that she's carrying around that are bottled up. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, long-winded answer, sorry, but I, I love the question because it allowed me to highlight so many other people who helped make that possible uh, on the day and uh, all the different coverage we got with drones and the people that we mingled into the background who were extras and people who were sort of in deep background who were actually just part of the part of the the the, the, the sort of scene there. And it was yeah. funny, there was a group of tourists who had everybody counts or nobody counts shirts on. They didn't even know they were filming up there that day. And they freaked out when they saw Maddie and they were all excited. Sure. And uh, like they they couldn't believe they they happened upon a Bosch scene, which okay. I was tickled by. I was like, I, I love here when anyone cares about the show and watches the show. So that the fact that they were there was wonderful. That's awesome. How cool for them. That's really cool. Well, it was it was really impressive. And then when you said it, you had it for two days. Wow. You know, to be able, yeah. that's yeah. a big feat for sure. Yeah, you So speaking of the chase scene, we uh, see Maddie and Vasquez separate during the chase when she chases after the guy in the black hoodie. Are there different rules about separating from your partner with CRU than what we saw in season one, episode one, where she separates from her partner when chasing down the two guys driving that car? I think in this instance, and we'd have to check with Tim, that because it was, you know, all communicated that Vasquez was pursuing, you know, fleeing suspect A. Maddie was on fleeing suspect B, and he had brandished a weapon. It was really about, and we had to choreograph that a certain way, just dramatically, because we wanted Maddie to fiercely track this person down mm-hmm. and then have Vasquez trail behind, but only come in at a moment when she saw really the worst of it after the guy had effectively been apprehended. Maddie sort of gives him a real chop there that was unnecessary, frankly, in terms of apprehending him. He was he was already cuffed. She didn't have to do that to subdue him. And we wanted that right. moment. We went yeah. we didn't want it too far with it, but it was also, you know, dramatically we had to choreograph it. So they separated really only momentarily, but it was kind of for dramatic purposes that also were in line with what we, you know, best of our knowledge, the tactics of LAPD. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, it was really interesting when she did the, the ear slap or whatever, as far as the, the not the timing of it, but I guess my reaction, at, you know, I'm watching the scene, you know, for the first time and I'm like, I almost had to like double take, did she just hit him in the head? You know, like I almost did know, and I questioned immediately, is that okay? You know, but it, it wasn't like overt, like, you know, she banged him on the head with a trash can or something you know it was it kind of made you stop and wonder you know yeah. and i like that good that was... yeah good yeah. this next question is the watch store location so the timing of my last visit i was staying on sunset boulevard right down from sunset plaza so i made sure to go down there and because i knew the story and i was like there's going to be a watch store that's somewhere here in sunset plaza i want to see it. i want to you know have seen it and know you know what they used and then also i just read desert star so in that book harry refers to that location to the watch store just in a story to um, renee ballard he's like hmm. 
but he's like, oh yeah, I, I dealt a case with a, a, a store right down here. So it was just kind of fun for the readers to, you know, like call back to that location. So with all that kind of in my head, I was just wondering, did you try to get a watch store in Sunset Plaza? Well, we found this place that was in West Hollywood and we wanted yeah. to play the reality of the story, which is that Lexi Parks was a, a, a an official in West Hollywood and that's right. where the crime was committed. So that suddenly got us into that side of things, okay. which is not always easy to film there. And again, mm-hmm. our people found a terrific, we had some options. We loved Want to Buy a Watch. I think that I think that the the, the store name is, is just terrific. And then the owners of the store were all in. They said, absolutely, come here and film. And 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 in and by the way, we often have to clear a name. Sometimes you can film at a location, but they want you to change the name of the the business because they don't so that that really was their name. So wanna buy a watch is an actual place here in West Hollywood. Wow. Um, so well, you gotta it, go with that. Recognize it. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> little plug for wanna buy a watch. So that was a place. Yeah, that was a lot of fun to to find that place and to have them just be game. And and now it's forever in the story world. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm so excited that it's the the real name of the store. And I thought that was cool how Harry noticed the noise, like the creak when he walks over. You know, it's very subtle. It's like he hears something there, you know, and the audience had already seen the safe. Um, Mike had one you were holding out to see if we had enough time. Yeah, go for that. Um, what are your personal must-haves while writing? For an example, a uh, particular type of beverage or music versus quiet. So I was just kind of curious what your must-haves for writing scenes or an episode are. Definitely coffee. Coffee. <laughs> <laughs> and, and lots, usually lots of it. I like to write in silence, sometimes so much so that I need earplugs to shut out the world. When I'm really sort of in a groove which you can never predict. Sometimes it happens, sometimes it doesn't. You know, I don't, I, I need silence, but I don't necessarily need to have the earplugs in, but it's it's one of those things where time just kind of blurs by mm-hmm. in your sensory. You're so focused on what's in front of you that almost everything else is shut out. So I like quiet and coffee and being able to just step into that imaginative space. Yeah, okay. makes sense. Sounds Sounds like yeah. a... Everybody Good has a environment. Process, but that's yeah. mine. Sometimes I'll, I'll write longhand too. On okay. A, uh, other times I, I know it's just about finding the scene. Sometimes they come to you. You know, the beginning of episode one came to me one morning and it was almost complete from the moment that image of the screen to the flash of the, the team working the forensic. Mm-hmm. Oh, to yeah. Yeah. being in that room to, to Edgar coming down the hallway to them yeah. going across the courtyard and into I had that whole I don't know what happened but that whole act came to me, okay. and um, I trust it when it's like that because it's mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes you're not overthinking it you're going with a certain instinct story wise, and other times you labor over scenes and sometimes if I'm spending a whole day on a scene and sometimes I'm just procrastinating by spending a whole day on a scene because <laughs> I don't know how to do the next scene yeah but. <laughs> If I get stuck, I'll just shut the computer off and do it the old fashioned way. And something about the flow of ink and making a mess on a page helps me find something. Okay. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You had had that question kind of, Mike, there's another one we talked about. He was thinking about asking you, you, well, you had, uh, you had said, wanted to know if there was just any point in episode one that was where that you kind of did get stuck with going in in writing the script. Oh, that's good. I would say that. (laughs) even though I just told you that this whole act kind of came to me 
I knew it was going to happen. Right. In the command vehicle, I kept putting off because it. Okay. It's exposition, right? Mm-hmm. Those scenes are hard to write, especially when you have multiple people in the room and you don't want to just be feeding the audience boring information. Yeah. Uh, I think the dramatic context allows you to masquerade the fact that you're delivering information. So it's more palatable, I hope, to the audience because they're getting information that they want to know because mm-hmm. the stakes are a certain way and the emotional stakes yeah. are high. But I think I put off writing and I wrote a the first few versions of that were horrible. They were really just, okay, I have to write this scene. What is the worst version of this in terms of everybody saying what they're ultimately not going to say in the end? And then finding the most economic, what do I need to know when we come into the scene? And what do we need to know coming out? What is the point of view that everybody has? Whose scene is this? You know, and and I find when I eventually landed on, I was like, oh, of course, that's the version. But it took a lot of bad versions to get there. And I just kept putting it off because I knew it was going to be one of those scenes that was going to give me a hard time. Okay. Okay. All right. Do you want to do the last one you had, Mike? Yeah. The uh, filming in Hollywood Forever Cemetery. Any kind of behind the scenes tidbits with that, that? Well, we had to create that whole vantage point that the hotel has on Hollywood Forever. That that hotel exists in a very different part of the city. Okay. Oh, okay. It was a perfect layout for us. But when you, mm-hmm. you ever visit that hotel, I think it's actually up on Sunset. And uh, Hollywood Forever is off of Santa Monica. When you look out, we have to sort of the visual effect of its vantage point onto Hollywood Forever. And therefore, in the distance, the uh, water towers sort of angle onto the entrance. That was That's from the book. But we had to create that. That's movie sort of magic. Um, a little interesting thing i hesitate to 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 share this personal story but it's it's significant to me in terms of hollywood forever i didn't move out to hollywood and start working on bosch and in the business till 2014 in 2013 although i lived on the east coast as a breaking bad obsessive i happened to win tickets to the the screening of the finale oh wow okay at hollywood forever they had some charity event and it sold out in like 10 seconds. I don't know how to this day I ended up getting tickets, but I I got these tickets. I booked a flight, flew to Los Angeles, took my sister to it. And I remember waiting in line on Santa Monica Boulevard to get into this cemetery. I was like, gosh, we're going to go watch this thing in a cemetery. How's that going to work? So we got in there and it was it's a night I'll never forget. That show means a great deal to me. And I remember the feeling of seeing both the pilot they screened and then the finale that night in real time as it was broadcasting across the country. It was a very special night. I never would have thought a couple of years later that I'd be working in Hollywood forever filming on a show that I was part of. Yeah, yeah. That was 2000, I think, 15 or so in season two when we did uh, George Irving's funeral. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happened to be uh, an episode I co-wrote with Tom Smuts during our second season of Bosch, and I remember being there for filming. And I thought, I just never that night I was in line <laughs> for the Breaking Bad. I never would have imagined that this was possible. So Hollywood Forever has a as a special sort of that's great for me personally, and uh, I yeah. feel very lucky that it's all happened this way so it was great to continue to integrate into our story world that's awesome that's really cool. appreciate the the story there that's pretty awesome yeah <laughs> thank you for listening <laughs>